0: Lock
1: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd and He is Aaron McIntyre. And then, of course, the most important part of the program... Is all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can look for me as well on platforms that aren't actively trying to snuff us out and censor us by going to Parlor Gab and Getter. And then, of course, you can get clips of the show free to watch and free of censorship as well at Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And as always, remember, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Uh, The first part of today's program brought to you by my glasses, because I want to begin today by bringing you glad tidings of great joy. If you, like me, have one of those problematic, I prefer to use that P word other than the official term, which is progressive, because I really don't want to be identified with that term in any way, shape or form. But the official term is that I need progressive lenses because... Like a lot of you, we stare at these screens all day long in this world we live in, and now I'm a little far and I'm a little nearsighted as a result. Uh, The problem used to be with those progressive lenses, though, that you had to get the really dorky frames to go with those. Not anymore. Because of our friends over at Better Spectacles, they can get you hooked up. With some of those phenomenal Rodenstock eyewear frames, German engineered, 144 year old company now being imported for wide distribution here in the U.S. That's what I'm wearing right now, our Rodenstock frames with my uh, problematic prescription. So, hey, if you've got an everyday prescription you want to get filled, they can hook you up with one of those. But if you now want to get the cool frames that the regular prescription people used to only be able to get but now you can as well you can do that with our friends over at better spectacles and their best trained opticians in the country when you go to better steve and while you're there get 61 percent off those ghost spec lenses and they throw in these rodent stock frames for free heck of an introductory offer when you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Alright, coming up on the show today, Corey D'Angelis will join us. When, I, I forgot to mention this when I was talking about my weekend trip to North Carolina yesterday. I could not believe, I've never seen more school board candidate yard signs in my life than what I saw throughout the state of North Carolina over the weekend. I mean, they were everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And so... Are we finally starting to get it? We'll talk to Corey DeAngelis because him and Chris Rufo, those are those two guys that have kind of been on the front lines of this battle, kind of the trend centers in this area. And so Corey will join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour for an update on that. And then next hour, a conversation that I know a lot of you are looking forward to, as am I. We are going to combine Fake News or Not and Pop Culture Tuesday into one hour long discussion which is a breakdown of the new Dinesh D'Souza documentary, 2000 Mules. So I will first go through my own kind of stream of consciousness thoughts live in real time as I watched it on Sunday night. I'll go through those with all of you and share those. And then we'll discuss as a group, Todd and Aaron on purpose. I did not ask them to watch this. And the reason why is because I wanted to put them in your shoes in the audience and get their reaction from my analysis and what they thought from there all right so we will be having that conversation coming up for the entirety of the second hour today but before we get to all of that and more let us begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away
2: What Happened While We Were Away, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Primary. The Real Clear Politics average for the GOP Senate primary has Trump-endorsed lefty Mehmet Oz holding a 2.6-point league. The latest poll included in the average is one more from the Trafalgar Group, which shows Oz ahead by two points over Kathy Barnett, about 29 to 27. Businessman David McCormick is in third at 22 points. Another example of how unhinged Trump Trump's orbit has become in attacking Kathy Barnett. Last night, Sean Hannity criticized the candidate for being among those peaceful protesters who marched at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. Here's one more reminder about who Mehmet Oz really is. The real Mehmet Oz.
1: Senator Clinton, one of the smartest people I've ever met. Dr. Fauci is too, but he's a very disciplined leader. He's a wonderful scientist. We work with China. And I love working in China. Challenging your beliefs about what it means to be male or female. How do we keep guns out of the wrong person's hands? The greatest national security threat that we have is obesity. And we haven't had any interaction with President Trump at all.
2: Mehmet Oz, a complete and total fraud. Polls close in the Keystone State, 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern Time this evening. Moving on, another record broken in the Biden era. There were over 234,000 illegal aliens encountered on the nation's southern border in April. That's the highest single month number in Department of Homeland Security history. Over 117,000 of them were released into the country. Last month, 113,000 were removed. Elon Musk's deal to purchase Twitter could be in jeopardy. The deal was placed on hold after Musk's camp demanded proof of Twitter's claim that less than 5% of its user base is made up of bots, automated accounts that post spam and or artificially increase account following and engagement. Basically, if the percentage is significantly larger than 5%, the deal would be repriced in favor of Musk. If the percentage of bots on the platform is much more like over 50%, Then that could mean the end of Twitter, as its value would become basically nil. Project Veritas went undercover with a senior engineer for Twitter about reaction within the company to Musk's takeover. What do your colleagues say
0: about, like, They hate it. Oh, my God. I'm at least, like, okay with it, but some of my colleagues are, like, super left-left. Left-left-left. What do they say? They're, they're like, this could be my last day if it happens. Twitter does not do anything. What do you want? Capitalists, if we weren't really operating in like, a capitalist mode, we were like, very socialist, like we're all like communist. Ideologically, uh, it does not make sense like because we're actually censoring the right, not the left. Cause everyone on the right wing will be like, Bro, it's okay to say, just got to tolerate it. And, uh, the left will be like, No, I'm not going to tolerate it. I need it censored. Or else I'm not going to be able to it. So it does double right. It's true.
2: Is Speaking of Musk, he was asked in an interview yesterday about the job Joe Biden is doing. Man, it's hard to tell what Biden is doing, to be totally frank. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like it's the weekend most, at Bernie's. The, the 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 real president is whoever controls the teleprompter, you know. It's like it's like it, w- the w- the, w- the path to power is the path to the teleprompter. If somebody would accidentally lead on the, lean on the teleprompter, it's going to be like Anchorman. It's going to be like QQQ <laughs> ASDF123. The gunman who entered a Southern California church on Sunday and opened fire killing one has been revealed to be a Chinese immigrant, a supporter of the Chinese Communist Party with a vendetta against Taiwanese people. The church in question has a majority Taiwanese congregation. Congressman Eric swalwell tweets my four-year-old just facetimed me to ask what i'm doing to help the people in buffalo and why did the bad man do this absolutely gutting this cannot be normal it's time to ban assault weapons live action showed up at a pro baby killing rally recently when this happened
3: do you
1: believe in abortion after birth Would would you support that i believe in whatever the woman wants to choose to do that's her choice at any point of the child's life at any point of the lady's life that's her choice to kill another person's body. It's gonna always be her choice. Even after the baby's born. It's always her choice. So if they're two years old. It's always her choice. I can kill my two year old. It's a woman's right to choose to kill their child at any point. It's a woman's right to choose.
2: And finally, how to get along with people in the year 2022. Here's JP Sears. Hey, Jeff. Hello, Atticus. I'm looking forward to this conversation, which I'm sure will be civil. Of course it will. I mean, it's 2022. It's not like we're barbaric cavemen who can't get along with each other. Um, I'm sorry, Uh, uh, why why does it have to be cavemen? Because there were a lot of cavemen roaming the earth. (laughs) Did it again. Um, I'm just curious why you feel the need to genderize an entire paleolithic era of human, sorry, hue people. Like, why does it have to be cave men? That's very uninclusive. I'm not being uninclusive. Um, yes you are. There were just as many cave women, cave trans men, cave trans women, cave zir, cave zix, cave zem, and cave they, roaming the Earth millions of years ago.
1: Oh, you think the Earth is millions of years old? Try about 6,000. Read the
2: Bible. Read the Bible? All the words that those cis straight men wrote down—that is just made-up garbage. If you want to know what's really going on, you'll watch the real Bible, which is CNN. And that's what happened. Well, we were away. <laughs> uh,
1: it's it's funny because it's tr- it's it's true. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by ScoreMaster. If you are in the market right now uh, for a new uh, car loan or a new home loan or a refi or a business loan. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed right now, but the economy's not doing all that great. So make sure you get the absolute best rate you can possibly get with our friends over at ScoreMaster, where the average user can raise their score about 60 points in three weeks just by knowing what's up. Not just knowing your score. I mean, the credit bureaus will tell you that now, but they often won't walk you through why you have the score you have very transparently and make it accessible information for you so that then they can also give you a plan for how to get to the score you want. But that's exactly what ScoreMaster does. I've used this service myself. Helped me with my home refi last fall. And if you want to see if they can help you, just go to scoremaster.com slash Steve. That's scoremaster.com slash Steve. See how many plus points that you can add to your score and then decide from there if you want to sign up at scoremaster.com/steve. All right, coming up in today's overtime, we're going to get into what's going on with Twitter and because I know most of you aren't on Twitter cuz unlike us you want to remain sane. But I think you need to understand that there is no more powerful platform in the United States of America right now than Twitter. And this has been true for several years. This is where more news gets hatched, gets buried, more narratives, more agendas, um, more opinions get disseminated, perpetuated, squashed, more a place than any, or, any other. Remember when Rush used to talk about doing Lexus Nexus searches on the air, going through the archives of what the media was talking about? Remember those days, right? Okay. Uh, remember, remember the days when you and I worked in the newsroom and we'd go comb through the AP wire there in the Des Moines sure. Register newsroom? This is what this is now. Twitter is the new Nexus search. Twitter's the old AP wire. That's what it is. And so even if you're not on because you want to remain sane, I promise you a good bit of news, whether it's from the right, left or uh, another cosmic dimension, is filtered through the funnel of Twitter. So we will discuss what's going on and the results uh, that continue to be uh revealed from Elon Musk's attempt to take it over. We'll get into that today in the overtime at blaze tv.com/dace. That's BlazeTV.com/dace. There is a lot of great phenomenal stuff in Aaron's montage today, but if you guys if you two don't mind, there is something I want to address here at the top of the program that 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 I am concerned about. Okay? And and I want to address it with with a disclaimer. Number one, this is just strictly my opinion. Todd and Aaron are welcome to their own, and I have no intention of, uh, you know, I don't speak for the management here or anything else. I just speak for me, Steve Dace, okay? Number two, um, I don't have really any intellectual respect for Sean Hannity at all, like none, and haven't, like, for the majority of my career. Never understood the value of his show or really anything he does. So I don't really take seriously what he's doing in the Pennsylvania Senate primary because I don't take him seriously. And this just is just and to me that the only thing that he has a chance of doing long term damage to is his own audience. OK, uh, this what he's doing in that primary or attempting to do is just good old fashioned. You know, I want my guy to win douchery. Right. That That's a tale as old as time that that doesn't. That's not going to do anything to alter the future or the trajectory or, or of, what, of what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, if Hannity were to do irreparable damage to a, a portion of his own audience because of these antics and never recovered, would there not be, there's 10,000 other people waiting in line to do the exact same form of hackery, correct? Yes, for sure. So that's why we haven't really, other than just some snide comments, I've not seriously discussed them because I don't take him seriously. But I do take Mark Levin very seriously. Mark has been very kind to endorse several of my books, including the one that is the best I'll ever write that is about to be released as a movie at some point here, probably in the next six to nine months. He's endorsed several of my books, had us on when several others shunned us a year ago with Fauci and Bargain and didn't want to address the things that we were bringing up and we're talking about being shunned we're not talking about like CNN and MSNBC. we're talking about our own people right yeah Mark absolutely Mark did have me on um Mark intellectually is one of the few people in this realm whose intellect I take seriously whether I always agree or don't I take his intellect seriously and it's a small list like Newt Shapiro Levin. It's a small list of people who when I'm about to go on or have them on, I'm like, all right, better eat my Wheaties this morning. I can't, I can't wing this one because I'm the one that has to keep up in the conversation. And I do think when, when he says something that I'm concerned about, It has far more ramifications for what we're all trying to accomplish here than just, you know, Hannity trying to, you know, gerrymander a Senate primary in a ham-fisted, clumsy way that is alienating almost everybody. And I, I saw it this morning with this tweet. It's important to send someone, this is from Mark's official Twitter account, it's important to send someone to the U.S. Senate that can win. And Kathy Barnett's derogatory comments about gays and Muslims won't win a general election. Now, I don't have a clue if Mark has endorsed someone else in the race. I I went back through his Twitter feed to find out. And I I mean, it, it seems maybe he might be somewhat favorable to McCormick. I don't. I didn't find anything in his Twitter feed going back over a week that addressed Dr. Oz at all, including all of the various revelations that have come out about what he really believes and has gone on the record on his grifty TV show saying over the years. And Jack Posobiec uh, gets a lot of the credit for exposing that because he's the one that has done the yeoman's work on that front. I've not endorsed a candidate in that race. I don't endorse almost any candidates at all anymore, even though you guys ask me to all the time. Um. I didn't know what a Kathy Barnett was two weeks ago. I had no idea. And I only found out because of the bold pro-life testimony of her own campaign video. And, and then her standing up to Dr. Oz, who until about 10 minutes ago was pro baby killing his entire life until he miraculously converted trying to run for Senate. A lot of that going around is Tom Tancredo used to say during the Iowa caucuses, trust those conversions on the road to Damascus, not the road to Des Moines. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah. A lot of those primary uh, time season conversions tend to happen. Everybody gets religion during those periods of time. Right. So when she confronted him and said, Hey, you know, you'd have been fine with me never being alive. You'd have been fine with me being killed. And that kind of catapulted her campaign. Had we ever discussed Kathy Barnett whatsoever? Did we even know who was even no, running no. other than Oz in the in the U.S. Senate primary? No, I know a lot of you think I, I've heard that this McCormick guy has World Economic Forum ties or something. I don't know the answer. You guys keep emailing, emailing me that stuff. I've not even looked at it because, to me, Oz is Mitt Romney with like out without like the business accomplishments. Like Romney's actually done like legitimate success in the business world. All Dr. Oz has done is, our friend Tim Young likes to say, is a grifty TV show. That, that's all he's done this whole life. And on that TV show, he argued in 2018 for public health to declare gun violence a public health emergency because you know isn't that that's pretty pro Second Amendment, right? Mm. Yeah, your self defense is now a public health emergency. That's pretty Second Amendmenty, right? Uh, he was out there 10 years ago promoting trans surgeries for children years before I even knew and most of you even know what these things were and now suddenly we're told that he's changed his mind on all of these things but that's what drew my interest to this primary is I just believe that's a scam and it's a lie and I believe that Donald Trump endorsed him because of his weaknesses and Trump thought hey I can at least Stefanik this guy get him elected and he'll just do what I say and if the guy gets elected let's hope Trump is right because I didn't work when he endorsed Mitt Romney, (laughs) okay? Um, But I am concerned, if you put that tweet back up there again, Aaron, I'm concerned about this messaging and here is why. Because Mark Levin should be taken seriously intellectually and the arguments he makes and the way that he frames them matter a lot more and I think to a lot more people and should than what Sean Hannity says. And... This tweet at the very least implies, and that's why I feel as a Christian, I have an obligation to speak up for a sister here. I, I can't sit here and be angered at Amy Coney Barrett when she lives, leaves her Christian sister, Baronel Stutzman, on the side of the road. Remember that? How angry that made me? Yes. I can't, you know, and I thought you had an obligation to hear her case and defend her, and she did not. And I can't sit here and say, well, you know, I disagree with this if it's said on another platform and then pretend like if it's something that I think is a threat to what I believe and it's said on by somebody on my platform, that would make me the same kind of thing that we often criticize on this show, right? right? So I'm going to make myself uncomfortable as well as everybody else by addressing this because I think it needs to be done for the integrity of the show. And then I secondly, and most importantly, think it needs to be done in defense of the Christian faith. This at least implies... It at least implies, in my view, and if, you're, if you think I'm wrong, you guys tell me, but it at least implies, in my view, that if you hold to biblically orthodox positions on false religions and immoral behaviors, you're not electable, or at least not in the state of Pennsylvania. Now, I find this interesting because... From everybody I know who knows both candidates, Mastriano, who's expected to win the gubernatorial primary tonight going away, has pretty much all the same views. So I don't know why this doesn't apply to him, but it applies to the black woman. I find that kind of odd and weird, but okay. Now, maybe those things, she could have said them better. But suppose suppose if if, if Kathy Barnett said, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in the Bible, and... Um, While I respect Islam, I don't believe that the Quran is revelation. Uh, If I did, I'd be a Muslim. So I believe the Bible is revelation. And so I'm I'm a Christian. I'm sure the next day, the Philadelphia Inquirer would all tell us if she becomes, the. in fact, fast forward to tomorrow, if she becomes the GOP nominee, I'm sure the Philadelphia Inquirer will run a series of stories and all the local news media telling us how respectful the tone and tenor of her disagreements with Islam happened to be. This is a Christian that you can do business with, that you can accommodate and live with. I'm sure they would do this. Correct, guys? That's because the tone was just so good. Of course not. So it doesn't matter to me with the tone of arguments. And frankly, for two guys like, like Mark and I that have been known to scream a lot into a microphone, I don't know that we're the ones that ought to be worried about anybody's tone. And how they frame things on any level, number two. Number three, we just had a Republican win the state of Pennsylvania for the first time since 1988, and I believe won it for a second time since 1988 in the last election before they stole it from him. Um, Was he known to say an incendiary thing or two about literally everything, like everything, right? Yes. In fact, the reason why, the reason why I so vehemently opposed Trump all the way to the convention floor. As part of the free the delegates movement, I was part of that. I helped organize it. The reason why I opposed that all the way to the convention floor is because I thought those incendiary things. Remember, we had these conversations on this show back in those days. We were going to say all these incendiary things, and then and then lose ground in the culture that and, and then he was going to lose the election anyway by doing this and so we would then be left with the mess of cleaning that up right? Yes. Is that not the conversations we had on this show? Many that times. Trump would say all these incendiary things and then we he would lose because of it and then we would be the ones after he kind of goes back off you know and does what guys who lose elections do and resume their normal lives we're the ones now left holding the baggage the considerable baggage of saying these incendiary things and losing right? I had, that was one of the prime arguments I made against his candidacy, correct? Right. And they got proven 100%, if not 10,000% existentially wrong. <laughs> All right? Thankfully, he didn't lose doing that and was able to appoint the justices that overturned Roe. And so I went from 2016 doing everything I could possibly do with everyone I possibly knew, trying to stop him from getting this nomination, to throughout the year of 2020 during the COVID lockdowns, I felt like I was trying harder to get him reelected than he was. Because he proved we actually can say incendiary things. And, and, and often, if we're all being honest with each other, Trump's incendiary things were really not about things that were as serious than who is God? What is truth? What is real? What is moral? What is not? They were often about frivolous, stupid stuff or stuff in his personal life or his personal grievances. Not about things of true existential consequence. And I'm just, I, I just feel like I just can't sit here and let it be said that if you are a Christian and you publicly hold views that align with 2,000 years of scripture and tradition on, on religious orthodoxy, on who is God and who is not, and what God expects from us and what he does not, and what is moral and what is not, and if you voice those things, could we all say I'm better? Folks, I do this for a living and I, I'm, I might be pretty good at it. I'm probably not Mark Levin good, especially if you look at the total amount of listeners and book sales, but I'm at least somewhat good at it. Could we go through every, might be able to do it with what I'm doing right now. Could we go through every single episode I've ever done and find a way that I could have said something better than I actually did? Sure, because we're human. But if we have not yet learned the lesson in the era that we live in, that there is no way for the spirit of the age that we're up against, the spirit of the age that wants to keep choking those children out in Pennsylvania and everywhere else and keep jabbing away with experimental, ineffective, dangerous jabs in Pennsylvania and everywhere else and not have a border. Did you hear the numbers from the border that Aaron had and not know what a gender is? This is the state that gave us something called Rachel Levine guys came from this state of Pennsylvania. If there's any election in any state that needs to hear what the Bible has to say about who is God and who is not and what is moral and what is not dare I say it might be the state that gave us Richard Levine. They need to hear it more than maybe any other state with the possible exception of California. They have a man accepting woman of the year accommodations in the Biden administration as we speak. Oh, I think the electorate in Pennsylvania needs to hear this stuff, chapter and verse, quite a bit, actually. And if, if that's not true, and if that's not what we're doing here, and we're just, let's just get elected, Republicans, so let's get more Lisa Murkowski's elected. Let's get more Richard Burr's elected. Let's get more Arlen Specters elected, because then we'll have 51, 52. To what end? To just be told we can't do anything, can't stand for anything? That is not why I got into this line of work. And I absolutely and summarily disagree. That you can't get elected in this country, and if it's true, then we're all wasting our time anyway talking politics, and pretty much all should be getting thee to a nunnery. So it uh, it is electable to belong to the World Economic Forum. That's electable. It's electable to be a transhumanist grifter. That's electable. But it's not electable to be honest about what the Bible says. About the character and identity of God and the character that therefore he asked and demands of us. I don't believe that. And, and I believe the success of our show, frankly, and our unwillingness to take our light and hide it under a bushel and lead instead with a biblical worldview. I think it disproves that notion. So I don't care what Sean Hannity does from now until the cows come home with his douchery and hatchery and antics on his show. But I do care greatly when when somebody I look up to and respect, someone whose approval I have sought, you know, asking for someone to endorse your work is a matter of seeking their approval. I don't go and look for endorsements on my books from people who have a platform lower than mine, who have a stature lower than mine, but higher to at least hint that you can't be honest about your faith and get elected in Pennsylvania. I just categorically disagree with that. And I just think that needed to be said. More in a moment. I know more and more parents are looking for education options. To help their kids, Dunkirk, out of the government indoctrination system, one of the best I know of, because I know the people who started it firsthand, because we were in the trenches together in the previous decade, fighting back against Common Core. And uh, they I, I had my own son enrolled in this online academy. <clears throat> I can't give it a better endorsement than had my own child in there. I mean... No offense to all of you. I love him a little bit more than all of you as much as we love you guys. So what am I talking about? Freedom Project Academy. That's where you want to go right now and spots are filling up fast. So that's why you want to go to Freedom for School, F-O-R, Freedom for School and get a free information packet right now as soon as possible to see what your options might be for the fall. If indeed, if it indeed includes Freedom Project Academy, where your child will learn mastery of subject matter, not spirit of the age propaganda, how to think, not what to think. In fact, they are encouraged to critically think there and think and learn how to think for themselves. So check it out. FreedomForSchool.com. That's FreedomForSchool, F O R, FreedomForSchool.com. Welcome back to the program, Corey DeAngelis. He has been one of those kind of blazing the trail. After so many years uh, here in the non-communist America, uh, we just put it on autopilot where the schools are concerned. But in the last couple of years, there's been a renewed focus and vigor. And Corey, it's good to have you back, first of all. And secondly, I was just doing uh, several speaking engagements in the state of North Carolina over the weekend. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I spent about three hours in the car driving that state and I was blown away by the amount of school board election signs I saw in the state of North Carolina. Where's our energy level at where this is concerned right now?
3: Uh, Parents are taking taking the driver's seat and they're pushing back, uh, especially after the past couple of years where the teachers unions overplayed their hand and awakened a sleeping giant. These parents who just want more of a say in their kids' education. We called 2021 the year of school choice, 19 states expanded or enacted programs to fund students as opposed to systems, and support for school choice is at an all-time high, uh, with the latest Re- Real Clear Opinion Research polling finding about an 8 percentage point jump in support of for school choice since April of 2020, uh, from 64% to about um, 72% support of, Ameri- uh, of Americans supporting school choice. So that, this is the silver lining of the covid
1: era so are we then seeing the people who claim or want to represent us are they responding accordingly what kind of gains are we seeing from the from a policy perspective across the country or since it is uh the political class that's probably a lagging indicator i would imagine
3: Yeah, so like I said, in 2021, there was huge expansion of school choice. We called it the year of school choice. 19 states expanding these types of programs. In 2022, we saw over 30 states with bills introduced to fund students as opposed to the government school buildings. And most of those bills, most of those states had something called an education savings account introduced, where the money that would have followed you to the government run school, you could still take it. If you like your public school, you could take it to the public school. Uh, But if not, that funding would follow you to a savings account that you could use for private school tuition and fees, micro-schooling, tutoring, curriculum, or any other instructional materials. And so far this year, it looks like we're on track to see uh, some victories as well. Uh, South Carolina, for example, uh, both chambers have passed an Education Savings Account program bill, uh, a state that doesn't have an ESA yet. Uh, We saw Tennessee expand their Education Savings Account program Iowa's still in the mix, Virginia's House of Delegates passed a, an education savings account program this year. It has stalled in the Senate since. Arizona, on the other hand, their Senate has passed a huge expansion of education savings account uh, programs this year, uh, but uh, we're not sure if it will pass the House yet in Arizona. So, so there's still a lot going on here um, in 2022, and we'll give you an update uh, on the show uh, once once we finalize all the numbers, but there's elections coming up as well. We saw in Virginia uh, the the anti-parent rhetoric backfired on Terry. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin was victorious in a state that went 10 percentage points to Biden just the year before, and all indications suggest that the the election was won on the on the issue of education. This anti-parent st- stance, this uh kind of it-takes-the-village approach that your kids belong to the government or the government-run schools and the money meant for educating your kid belongs to those institutions. It's backfiring, particularly on the Democratic Party. And politicians from all parties, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, would be wise to listen to this new special interest group, parents, going forward, because it's deeply unpopular a deeply unpopular belief to suggest that the kids belong to the government when they obviously don't. What's
1: prompted them to come out and just say those sorts of things out loud that shows like mine said for the last 10, 15 years to our audiences, that's what they really believe. Um, but now they just say these quiet parts out loud. What's prompted or provoked that? Is it because that when you take a more principled opposition to this stuff, you you sort of take away the, uh, the, the ground shrinks beneath their feet and they're kind of left without a fig leaf to cover the nakedness there other than just to now just really blurt out what they've really thought all along or is it something else?
3: Yeah, I think there's two explanations for this. One is that all along they've talked about these things at the bar or with their friends on the weekends who may be extremely progressive and they might just uh, encourage that kind of uh, behavior and beliefs. And when they say the quiet part out loud in the public, though, it backfires on them because it actually turns out to not be a popular belief. Uh, most families don't believe that belong, uh, believe that their kids belong to the government, and most people, in particular, don't don't believe that as uh, either. But the other issue is that um, a lot of politicians are in a lose-lose situation right now, particularly politicians who are over-reliant on campaign contributions from the teachers unions. Mm-hmm. And so if they come out against parental rights and education, like we saw with Terry McAuliffe, well, at least the teachers unions aren't gonna be as mad at him, uh, but, or similar politicians. But if they come out for parental rights and education, well, then the teachers unions who's, uh, look, over 90, in the 2022 election cycle, 99.99%, I'm not making that up, of the campaign contributions from the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten's union, have gone to the Democrats as opposed to Republicans or Independents so far in the 2022 cycle. So that's um, that's hard to, to, to get out of that situation. It's, it's a power issue rather than a logic issue in some cases.
1: And the efficacy of what you just said is further confirmed in that we are seeing this happen in other issues. For example, on the life issue... The kind of stuff, again, that we told you they really thought or really meant and was really behind the Planned Parenthood propaganda that they said we were nuts and extremists and they just actually are proposing that legislation now. Yeah, I mean, after the kid's born, sure, whatever, you know, because when you go after the premise of their arguments, which has been a frustration of mine in the 15 years I have worked full time in politics and conservative activism or within alternative media, we have just rarely attacked the premise of their argument and then allowed them to come back with the camouflaged argument uh, that's followed by and you're a racist, misogynist, xenophobic, homophobe for daring to even ask. By attacking the premise of their argument now, they now have to defend their premise and that includes being honest about what it is. And I think a lot of Americans are seeing the honesty of the premises of their arguments full-throated for the very first time and that's why you're seeing things like more school board election signs in North Carolina than maybe they've ever seen before. Now, there is something, though, that is on the backside of this. And you mentioned Iowa was one of the battlegrounds you were looking at policy-wise. Just to remind you, that's where I live. And our studios, actually, are from suburban Des Moines, as you and I speak. One of the things I'm told from sources I have down at the Statehouse is that, ironically, it is some of the reddest rural counties and and districts in our state that want to stop this from happening because, essentially, the high school sports team and everything else – that's basically the identity of the team or of the county, of the district. A lot of jobs go there. There's a fear that if, if kids could go anywhere they want, well, you know, why do I want to go to school at Applington Parkersburg, which has a great football tradition in small-town Iowa, when I can go to a vaunted West Des Moines Dowling and might get more uh, attention and notice from college recruiters and what that would do to, you know, the various rural communities in the state. And then they'll say, besides, all that stuff you guys, you city slickers and suburbanites are concerned, about we don't let that into our schools anyway so we don't have anything to to worry about what's your response to that line of thinking Corey? and have you seen this elsewhere
3: i mean it's the same argument that the democrats repeat it's the teachers union argument that you might hurt our already underfunded public schools but the reality is if your public schools are doing such a great job in the rural areas well then they're not going to lose any money at all If your student stays there, they still get the per-pupil funding associated with that kid. And even if the kid does leave for whatever reason, the public schools actually financially benefit on a per-pupil basis because only the state funding follows the child to the private school. The government-run schools get to keep all the local and all the federal dollars. So mathematically, they must end up with higher per-pupil revenues and expenditures. And look— this is a Republican Party platform issue in Iowa and nationally as well, explicitly in the in the party platform. So if you're going to call yourself a conservative or a Republican, you should support educational freedom. And look, it shouldn't matter what your background is. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. Uh, Democrats should support it as well because— This is an an equalizer. It leads to more competition. A lot of people who oppose school choice for K-12, they support the GI Bill for veterans and the Pell Grant for low-income students for college. They Mm -hmm. support it with, in in Iowa, there's the Iowa Tuition Grant Program Mm -hmm. that you can use to to, to take quote-unquote public money to private religious universities. Iowa also has a pre-K program where the money can follow the child to a public money, to a private religious provider of pre-K services. So let's apply that same logic to K to 12 education and fund students, not systems.
1: And the fact that those precedents exist means we have a proof of concept already about whether those fears or talking points come to fruition. And then on top of that, I mean, so your grand strategy for the future of American culture is, hey, we are able, which isn't true if you look at, you're using a lot of the same textbooks too, by the way, but I'll grant your point. We are able to create this private little Idaho here in rural Iowa or rural so-and-so, but then we're going to send our kids off into the great big cities where since we didn't defund these unions and mechanisms, they're totally and completely outnumbered by folks who got completely and totally indoctrinated by that system. And so that accomplished what? Right. You see where I'm going with that? I mean, I, I don't understand how it's not to everybody's benefit if you're a non-communist to want to see the system and structure that is the, that is funding this indoctrination completely and totally um, deconstructed.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's another reason to allow families to sort to institutions that align with their values. And at the same time, there's a systemic response, competitive response, that if the families can take their money to the education provider they're choosing, the public schools in different areas would have an incentive not to focus on curriculum that is divisive and upsets families. They'll be more likely to focus on the basics, math, writing and reading. And so then it'll be a win-win solution for the families themselves. And then also for the kids who remain in the public schools to actually get a good education as opposed to indoctrination.
1: Great stuff, Corey. How can people follow the work that you guys are doing?
3: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at DeAngelisCorey. But also, if you want to help us in the fight for education freedom, you can go to EducationFreedomPledge.com.
1: Great stuff. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate the work you guys do. Keep it up. All right. Take care.
3: Yeah, thanks so much.
1: You bet. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends, and it's a good bookend uh, at Alliance Defending Freedom, reminding you that parents do have a fundamental right. To direct the upbringing of their children. But of course, this right is under attack from the Randy Weingartens and others of this uh, of of this world uh, who want to make sure and are hell bent on indoctrinating your kids instead. Uh, And that is exactly why you want to stand by a organization that has a a trusted long term resume of defending parental rights all the way up to the Supreme Court. And they do it with all their clients pro bono, which means they pay the bills with donations from folks like us. Of course, I'm talking about our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. we got a policy on this show. I'll never make a direct ask for you to donate to something if I've not donated to it myself. And I have given and donated to Alliance Defending Freedom because of the kind of work that we're talking about here. And if you would like to make a tax-deductible donation as well, uh, head over to the website, uh, adflegal.org, slash Steve, and you can make it there. adflegal.org, slash Steve, that's adflegal.org. Slash Steve thoughts on the conversation we just had with Corey DeAngelis.
0: Well, this Iowa thing really bugs me as it applies to the rural Republicans. This is what I'm talking about. Yesterday, the first question on ask me anything about uh, wh- when will people understand breadbasket issues. Well, they won't care about them if they don't if they see you can be so easily taken advantage in other very fundamental areas and in terms of education right now the teachers union is a hostage video they are have a gun to your child's head and they say what are you going to do about it and you always blink you can't do that and have anybody care about any of your other issues and i don't know why this is complicated if you will not defend your own children game over on every single issue you care about and the sports team concerns don't cut it
2: yeah uh, just quickly on that I, I don't understand who exactly and at least where i around where i grew up which was rural iowa small town iowa i don't really see how it's feasible to travel an hour or 45 minutes some some people do just out of necessity but i don't really see how it's feasible to have two hours of commuting to, to school every day, but maybe that's just a, a false objection. Uh, one thing uh, quickly, when it comes to um, watching the way people work within this sphere of politics, Chris Rufo and Corey DeAngelis, it is just a constant Masters drip, level drip, drip, class. drip, drip, yep. drip. I remember, I remember back when, uh, a few weeks ago, when when the Florida legislature passed that bill spanking Disney it would hadn't even been the news hadn't even been like an hour old yet, and Rufo was out there tweeting, <laughs> tweeting about some crazy teacher somewhere. Uh, basically, the next target, which is just when you want a model for how to do the drip, drip, dip of politics and moving people. Those two are are ones to follow. And then one other thing as well. Why have we seen? Why have we seen the reactions from the left? Essentially saying, we own your children. They're ours. Why are we saying that? It's quite simple. It's never been provoked to this level mm. before. It's never been provoked. Completely agree. They have not been forced right. to confront some of the craziness within their own ranks. And that's why they're, they don't have talking points ready. That's why they're going and telling you the truth. They think that they own your kids.
1: That's why they're saying that. When we come back... Can we get to the truth of what happened in the 2020 election? A new documentary claims to do just that. We will spend the hour discussing Dinesh D'Souza's 2000 Mules here in just a few moments. And hey, we're back with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd and and all of you. Don't forget you can email the show, Steve Dace, Steve at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E, Steve at SteveDace.com or look for me on Facebook, MeWe Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. You can also find me at real Steve Dace on Trump's Truth Social and then get clips of the show. That you can watch for free without any censorship at rumble.com slash Steve day show. For those of you that are podcast listeners, thanks to each and every one of you, especially those of you that have left us five star reviews or hit subscribe or follow. Thank you to each and every one of you for each and every one of those. If you've yet to do that for us, please consider doing that. However, today, this portion of the show brought to you by real estate agents. I trust.com in these. Unprecedented times Bing. make sure you go into uh, an uncertain real estate market, which is looking very two thousand and eighty right now or two thousand and eight ish, because that would mean two 20, twenty-eight. Never, never mind uh, is looking a lot like two thousand and eight. Uh, right now make sure you go in with an agent that uh, has a fully proven track record of success that can guide you through the process take charge of uh, on your behalf but then remember that it is on your behalf that you're ultimately the one in charge and we're going to help you find that agent you're looking for on this website where the name kind of says it all realestateagentsitrust.com again head over there right now to find well a real estate agent that you can trust find them at Again. That is realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we're going to spend the hour here. We're going to combine uh, Pop Culture Tuesday and Fake News or Not by taking a look at Dinesh D'Souza's new documentary, 2000 Mules. Now, the approach we took here is I chose to watch this on my own. I specifically this time did not ask Todd and Aaron to watch it because I wanted you guys to kind of be stand-ins for people in the audience that did not see it yet and may have questions on the basis of what I'm about to break down, okay? So I want to walk you guys through, and I wasn't originally intending to do this. It wasn't even on my radar. I I tweeted out that just as I was about to sit down and watch it on Sunday night, and then I was just going to give kind of an overall thought, you know, after I finished it. And then right away, someone uh, sent me a note. Hey, you should live tweet your thoughts as you're watching. I thought, that is a great idea. Then I thought, I wonder if Dinesh would appreciate me just completely um, spoiling a a film that they're, you know, charging people money to watch because it took money to make. Um, I wonder if he'd appreciate me doing that on my Twitter account for free. And then I realized, I don't know Dinesh D'Souza, so... I don't have to worry about it because I thought it was a great idea. (laughs) All right. And not to mention it also served a secondary purpose, which is helping me to catalog my own thoughts uh, as we now begin to discuss them on the show, as I've itemized them uh, point by point throughout uh, my live in real time watching experience. So the first thing I want to do is I want to go through what I posted watching it in real time on Sunday night and, and, maybe a, a little background as we go through some of these tweets and then we're going to go to you guys' reaction to what we just saw
0: one quick question just for context sure. how long is it
1: the the documentary yes it's a, it's about an hour and 40 minutes okay so fairly standard you know actually That's pretty below long. below average it's long for a documentary yeah. but it, below average for a the, for right. a for a movie these days okay so let's begin it the movie kind of starts off with a with a montage of clips on election night 2020 and by the way one of the things that i heard also from people that found our show was watching me break down the irregularities that i was seeing in the ballot results in real time on the on the desk with Glenn on on election night here at uh, Blaze TV before we even knew about the drop boxes and everything else or all that video, at 4 a.m. drops in your home state of Wisconsin. I mean, I was just looking at, was an Antrim County in Michigan? I think yeah. it was the first place that I was like, that's just not how elections work on any level whatsoever. Something's wrong there. And he started looking at returns where Trump's growing his base in the exit polls amongst Hispanics, but he's losing in Arizona. How does that work? How does it how does a guy grow his base among Hispanics in Arizona, a traditionally Republican state and then lose the state as a Republican? That doesn't make much sense. Right. And so uh, a lot of you, again, also said that was another way that you first heard about our show was election night. And and some of those same media clips is how the, the movie starts off. And a lot of these clips talk about how things were looking good for Trump. Things are not trending well for Democrats uh, in the middle of election night. And then there's a montage of media that is incredulous after the fact, after the deed is done, uh, incredulous that they... uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is still going on, actually. They then are incredulous that they stopped counting in several states. Like, there's a video of Chuck Todd, of all people. What do you mean they just stopped counting votes? You can't do that. All right? And so that same media started off saying, um, hey... um, this is trending well for Trump. Then goes to, you can't just stop counting votes to the familiar refrain now. This was the most secure election of all time, right? Okay. I thought this line from Dinesh, uh, I thought it, uh, I liked what he said here, quote, because he's re- addressing, uh, and, and a lot of this is frankly addressed to Republicans to get them to act on this issue, to not stop ignoring their base on this issue. And, he, and, and, and in response to Republicans say, we just have to move on. We can't relitigate the 2020 election, Dinesh says. "Quote, but we can't move on unless we know the truth," and that mirrors something I've talked a lot about on this show. You, you 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 can't have any real reform unless you know and have an honest accounting of how you deformed to begin with. Real change begins with the truth. One of the things I've heard uh, my buddy Jason Whitlock talk a lot about is he doesn't have just one scale in his home. Now he's got two because he needs to know the truth about his weight to stay motivated. The first step to becoming a Christian is is, is acknowledging the truth of your state apart from God's grace and forgiveness that you are a sinner and you deserve hell. Every, Every great movement, every great reform, every great improvement we make in our lives or in any endeavor we pursue pursue as human beings, begins with an acknowledgement of the truth of what happened to put us in the position that required said improvement in the first place. And I agree. That's what Dinesh is, 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 is addressing there. And then he makes an interesting statement, I think, about January 6th. He says, quote, January 6th wasn't an insurrection as much as a primal scream, unquote. That was fr- uh, just frustrated Americans who had reached their boiling point and just reacted. The movie then goes to a roundtable of, 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 of Salem hosts. And the first one to speak is Larry Elder. And he says, quote, this is the most loathed president I've ever seen. Uh, and this is Elder. I think this is an interesting statement as well. I may, I need to stop using the term interesting. I've used it like four times already. Um, but Elder is pointing out it's been less than two years since the election. And Joe Biden has gone from getting the most votes, we're told, of any presidential candidate in American history, 81 million almost, to being the most unpopular president in modern American history. How, That's legit. How do you accomplish a swing like that in less than two years? I thought that was a very astute observation. Uh, By Larry Elder. Now, this roundtable of Salem hosts is because Dinesh's podcast is through Salem. For interest of full disclosure, we all used to work with Salem. We actually came here from Salem. Uh, They when we all three got together, we were actually Salem's nine to midnight show after Larry Elder on the network. Okay, that's how we all originally began working. And it was on Salem stations around the country. Uh, And so I think there's Dennis Prager, Charlie Kirk, Eric Metaxas. Uh, Larry Elder and Dinesh. So those are all members of Salem's stable. And so at the beginning, there is a roundtable conversation where Dinesh just asks them, what do you guys really think happened in the 2020 election? And it's Dennis Prager who says that he's the chief skeptic of voter fraud claims because he says he hasn't been shown sufficient evidence that that this actually happened. Put a pin in that one. Because we're, we're gonna, the end of the film goes back to that same Salem roundtable, just as I'm using you guys right now as kind of as a proxies for the audience. Dinesh astutely does this with his Salem cohorts. So they, the movie starts off asking him, hey, what do you guys really think happened? And then it will close off going back to them again after he has shown them everything that the movie uncovers. Okay. We now get into what is really the meat and potatoes of this film. And where I think the movie rises and falls on on its, both its effectiveness and its its integrity and accuracy. And, and Dinesh turns to a conversation he's having with a couple of the, the mucky mucks at an organization called True the Vote. And one of the things they point out right away, right away to establish credibility, is that True the Vote actually stopped a case of Republican voter fraud in a recent North Carolina congressional race in just the last couple of years. It was involving a candidate, in fact, who was a pastor... And his campaign was paying for ballot harvesting along the lines of what we, Dinesh is going to claim we saw in the 2020 election, and so that's kind of a way of saying, hey, this isn't a partisan outfit, this is this is just a legit voter fraud. Um, You know, Think Tank, if it just so happens that most of the voter fraud they go after is by Democrats, well, that's because they just so happen to be committing most of the voter fraud. But but when they have seen it amongst Republicans, they have gone after it as well. So they try to establish that credibility of the organization as not necessarily a partisan entity right away. Uh, True, the vote then begins to lay out. How it used geo-tracking of mobile phones, similar to what marketing companies do through over about 300,000 apps in both the, uh, the, the Google and Apple app stores. Um, this is how, they, this is how they, they use that same technology to investigate the allegations around the 2020 election. They also point out that this a more sophisticated form of this very kind of monitoring is also heavily used by the intelligence community, including how this is how they tracked down Osama bin Laden. Ultimately, was this exact same kind of geo tracking via the use of mobile phones. I think we also saw this in the dark night, right? <laughs> uh, th- th- yes, a proto version that looked a lot cooler. Yes, correct. <laughs> nice. Uh, True the vote purchased the geo tracking data. From data, vote, data brokers involving the states in question in the 2020 election. And they did it from October 1st to Election Day. So, pretty much when early voting and stuff is going on in, in all of these states around the country. All right. True the Vote claims that they identify 242 people. So, what they're looking for here by, by getting all this geo tracking data is they're first looking for outlier patterns of behavior. And then within those outlier patterns of behavior, they're looking for consistencies within those outliers. Right. So first they're looking for outliers and then they're looking for consistent patterns of behavior within those outliers. Because, for example, what reason would somebody have to visit a a ballot drop off box five, six or seven times? They don't know how to open it up and put their ballot in. Right. I mean, couldn't figure that part out. There was just the line was too long, so they can't, meaning there's, maybe you can account for some inconvenience or they got a quick phone call and they had to go, but, but beyond five, six, seven times. And, and the, what they used in their algorithm was actually 10. So they, so, so they wanted to give the most benefit of the doubt as possible. So anybody that, so they didn't count anybody that visited a ballot drop box under 10 times, only if they went there more than 10 times. What would be a good reason that anybody would visit a ballot Dropbox 10 times? Or more than once. Or more or than twice. once or twice. Correct. And by the way, it's funny you should say that because that was what Dinesh says in the film when they say they, they lowered it to 10. He's like, well, why would anybody go there more than twice? Exactly. All right. So what they found, uh, and this is just data. We, they start off with just showing data in Atlanta, in Georgia alone. All right. What they found is they were able to geotrack 242 people. In Atlanta, that went to an average of 24 ballot drop boxes on behalf of eight nonprofit organizations during that period of time in Atlanta alone. That's just Atlanta. 242 people who were geotracked to an average, meaning some went to 17, some went to 35. The average was 24 ballot boxes. That they went to on behalf of these eight nonprofit organizations that collected the ballots. What do you mean? And some of you are going to ask. Wait a minute. Wh- where are nonprofit organizations allowed to? What happened to one man, one vote? One nonprofit, one vote? What do you mean nonprofits are collecting ballots? That's we're going to get to that later. So table. So put a you know a bookmark in that question too. That's going to come up later on. All right. But for now, 242 people just in the Atlanta area that went to an average of 24 ballot drop boxes. And this is what they call mules, like a drug mule or anybody else that's involved in trafficking in contraband. And hence, that's the name of the term. uh, uh, That's the term is the name of the film. 2000 mules. Okay. true. The vote said that when they tracked these mules down, they were paid about ten dollars per ballot as a mule. They were even paid more in the Senate runoff. So it was 10 bucks a ballot in the presidential election, even more in the Senate runoff. So I knew a guy that uh, I knew a guy in college that in the summer took a job for Coca-Cola. And in Michigan, and his job was he was they wanted to do a um, a survey of whether all the Coke machines in the entire state of Michigan were up to date, or they were what what you know places were still had Coke machines from the 50s and 60s, and what were still show you know selling Cokes for 60 cents and others for a dollar they, because they wanted to uniform their operation to get rid of you know things that were costing them money with outdated pricing and outdated technology, and so for a while he drove around the state of Michigan and then kind of got bored with it, okay, and he was getting paid per Coke machine that he could visit in a day. And so he would just, you know, make up how many days, how many Coke machines he saw. And like, never he was actually at home watching the OJ trial and just never, you know, he'd just make up and turn them in and sign them off. And I, yeah, I visited a hundred Coke machines in Michigan, you know, Petoskey and went to the UP and really he was just on CNN watching the, watching the OJ trial. Okay. Because there was, there was ultimately no way to verify whether he had been there or not. We didn't have geo-tracking or anything, but he was getting paid by machines visited. So he got paid pretty well to do this, okay? So can you guys see right away why there might be a problem with incentivizing, let's just assume for right for now, all this is on the up and up. Can you understand why there might be a, a problem incentivizing those who are dropping the ballots off by the amount of ballots they drop off, Like, let's just not say this is systemic. Let's say a bunch of these mules just decided, hey, man, I'll just start making ballots up. You see what I'm saying? Okay. I mean, do we even have to get, and we will later, trust me, but do we even have to get to Lord Nefarious yet No. when there's already a problem with incentivizing vote-gathering by the amount of votes gathered not by the person doing the voting even but by a third party can you see why that might be a problem
0: we're gonna do this for the whole hour and you've already got me to the point that i want to go (laughs) back and read
1: the scott atlas book (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna get worse okay it's gonna get worse i just
2: leave the camera on todd you should do that
1: just leave it on yes who's the guy from NSYNC with that that's the meme where where Todd has that same look on it Justin Timberlake that's right yeah okay um did you just compare me to Justin Timberlake just in terms not in anything else other than the same look on your face it's not as good looking as of a face just the same look um by the way the geo signatures get get the face on get the camera on Todd's face for this one ready True the Vote claims that the geo signatures for many of the Georgia mules they found, when they did a broader search of those signatures in other times and places, they also show up in riots like George Floyd and race riots that we saw in 2020. They also show up uh, in Antifa rallies and Antifa riots. And that's just Atlanta. Okay? That's just Atlanta, Todd. True the vote shows then shows an example program of a single Georgia mule that they mapped visiting 28 ballot drop boxes in a single day. 28 in a single day. And then then they've got surveillance cameras on a lot of these drop boxes that show these things are not easy to access in several cases. They're like in alleyways, they're on private property. Okay. They're in alleyways. Alleyways. Because
0: of course. Yes, That's I'm not where your you. system of democracy was meant to
2: flourish. The dark Alleyways. Yeah.
0: Like I told David French. And when you watched
1: <laughs> I did. That's why he banned me. When and and, and they they take you and they, they let you watch as their as their algorithm follows the geo signature. And it's literally like this, okay? I mean I mean, it's just it's like watching, you know, uh, a monkey try to doodle the alphabet. Basically, that's put a pen pen in a in a in a monkey's hand and just watch what he comes up with. That's what it this is like. Now, sight unseen, Souls. I want the monkey. <laughs> All right. Um, remember, I said it's going to get worse. True. The vote then points out that they were able to identify hundreds of mules. They also found in Arizona, Todd's Wisconsin, my Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Where in Pennsylvania? They found 1,100 mules visiting on average 50 drop boxes in that state. 1,100 mules visiting on average. The film's called 2,000 mules. Over half of them are in Pennsylvania visiting 50 drop boxes. But sure... We shouldn't run anybody whatsoever side side commercial. Don't run anybody whatsoever in Pennsylvania that might offend the very people who did this. Don't worry that don't don't bother with that. <laughs> vote Oz. He'll clean it up. Yes. 1,100 mules in, in Pennsylvania alone. Biffed, averaging 50 visits to ballot drop boxes throughout the state. True the Vote. Now, you might be saying, why should we trust these true-the-vote people? Because I was saying it watching the film. I mean, I'd heard of them, you know, but I'm going to need a little bit more. If I'm going to risk getting deplatformed everywhere, which I don't mind, but I would like to know I'm getting deplatformed for telling the truth, at least. Is that okay? We all have made our peace with getting deplatformed, coming to work for the Steve Day Show. We just want to make sure we go to Alcatraz for the St. Valentine's Day massacre and not tax evasion, right? Well... Just as I was about to tweet that, that's a fantastical claim. How do I know? How the hell do I know I can trust you guys? Almost like they were reading my mind. Here's the very next thing that happens in the film True the Vote demonstrates the integrity of their work by walking us through the process where they use this exact same geo tracking algorithm and metric system uh, to catch two uncaptured murderers that are now in custody. And they give you the names of the suspects, everything. Now, maybe they made that all up, man, but don't you kind of think that if they really didn't capture those murdered suspects using this geo tracking, I've got to think a a fact checker somewhere would have found that for us. Don't you think Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's a pretty compelling confirmation of your, of, of your work. True. The vote says they have millions, millions of minutes of surveillance video of these ballot drop boxes, millions of minutes. Also, they say the surveillance video was turned off in Arizona and no one has an explanation why and that it was not done in Todd's home state of Wisconsin, despite the fact that the regulations of implementing the drop boxes specifically called for it. It just wasn't done, even though by the regulations that authorized them called for them to be surveilled and in Arizona. They just were never turned on and no one can tell why. In Georgia, which I forgot to include here, but I'll add it because just, it just it jarred my memory. They also point out that in Georgia, many of the drop boxes were surveilled and others simply were not, or the surveillance was turned off, and no one has an explanation or reason for why that was done either. True the Vote then begins showing examples of mules in their surveillance video. We see what could be certainly construed as suspicious behavior in various forms, like looking around to see if anybody's watching, showing up in the dead of night when there's in a public place where there's a drop box, no one within a mile. So clearly this is probably like one, two, three AM, right? Okay. Stuff like that. Okay. A woman who shows up, okay, with gloves. To put, the, to put the drop boxes or the ballots in the drop box and then like a scene out of C- CSI takes the gloves off and throws them in the dumpster as she walks away stuff like that you see this you see the, the look on Todd's face you see this in, on video you see the video guys alright now I, I can see why a detractor would necessarily think these antics amount to a smoking gun I mean, I guess I can see why someone would think, you know, maybe something was going on. We don't know each individual case. They show us four videos out of millions of surveillance minutes, right? Okay. Did they cherry pick the most suspicious ones? I can see why someone would come to that conclusion or at least skeptically ask those questions. But at the very least... How could the, quote, most secure election ever involve mules just dropping off heaps of mail-in ballots, lacking any clear chain of custody on-site nationwide? How is that secure? If all these mules and everything, and everything's up to snuff, how is this a secure system? Again, what happened to one man, one vote? Quote from Dinesh D'Souza. So, Remember I said earlier we're going to get to this point. Who are these nonprofits and why are they collecting ballot drop boxes? Right? Huh. We're there now. Quote from Dinesh D'Souza, quote, this is vote harvesting. In no state in the union are you permitted to have nonprofits pay mules to pick up ballots and deliver them to drop boxes. Unquote. That statement is either true or it is not. We can Interpret the actions of these mules on camera. We can we can we can say, hey, Dinesh and his team, they they took the few that were the most suspicious, and then we didn't. We're not going to look at all four million or whatever it is minutes of surveillance video. They took these out of. We could all make those claims, right? That claims provable and is a fact. That's either true or it is not. It is either true that nonprofits are allowed to collect as third parties and corral ballots for Americans, and then have them. Dispensed by another party. That's either true that that's legal somewhere, or it is not true. Right? That 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 to me that's pretty defined. Yeah. Okay. Which gets to my previous point about the lack of a chain of custody. How is this third party system possibly secure? Even if these are nonprofits that are all on the up and up, like or, you know, like the 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 nonprofits we donate to, the people you'd entrust your lives to. How is this is the method of voting in 2022 or 20? This is the best we can come up with. Where, how is that even possible? How's that secure? Even if there is no nefarious activity, how is that secure? True the vote. And it's geo estimates that these 2000 mules, that's how many they counted in these key five states. Okay. They estimated they performed an average of 38 drop box visits in each of the key states in 2020, even if just five of those ballots in each of those visits were not valid. Just five. Just pick five just of it a handful. because it's a handful. It's a nice round number to divide and multiply from for those of us that are stuck at this. All right. If even just five of these ballots in each of these visits were not valid, just for whatever reason, not even they weren't, they weren't made up, just weren't filled out properly, or someone forgot they voted somewhere else, maybe a legitimate mistake, okay? If that happened even five times in all of these average of 38 Dropbox visits, that would account, get this, guys, for 380,000 illegal votes. 380,000. Dinesh then begins to break these down by state, according to the geo-tracking data. And he projects, when he looks at it, that Trump would have actually won the Electoral College with, again, we're taking 10 more than, no more than 10 visits. Only five of them have, I mean, we're coming up with numbers to be the most sympathetic we can here. This would, at, least, at the very least, even doing that would have changed the Electoral College to 279 to 259, because it would have flipped Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Michigan and Wisconsin would have narrowly stayed Biden. So it is now that Dinesh goes back to that Salem roundtable and asks them, hey, what do you guys think? He even shows them one mule who dropped off ballots across six different counties from five different nonprofit organizations. So you mean the guy kept track of all that? Again, if how's this secure, even if it isn't nefarious? How's this secure? And now Dennis Prager, who was initially the most skeptical of the fraud claims, thinks the evidence is, quote, frightening and wants to know if these states will prosecute those involved since third party party ballot harvesting slash collection is supposedly illegal in all of them. Again, that's either true or it is not. Let me stop there. Quick take before we finish in the next segment. Instant reaction here in the minute before we go to break on what you've seen from me so far on this.
0: I think that last part is obviously true, which is why they're not prosecuting them. I think, isn't that what we just do? I've told you that's what journalism does. It just decides to ignore the things that are obviously true. There's no gray area here.
2: Aaron? Pit in my stomach that I have not felt since about 12 a.m. the day after the election in
1: 2020. It might actually get worse, that pit, when we come back here in a moment. All right, we'll get back to the conclusion here on a combined fake news or not pop culture Tuesday as I break down my thoughts watching Dinesh D'Souza's best-selling documentary, 2000 Mules, about the 2020 election. And I'm, I'm getting all kinds of emails. Basically, Todd, as usual, is the audience a spirit animal. getting a lot of emails that are in words saying what the look on your face has been for about the last 30 minutes or so. Okay. Uh, But before we get to part two, let me again, because I just love to tell you about Built Bar. All right. They are the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. Uh, It's as good as a lot of the candy bars out there on the market, but not loaded with the carbs, the calories and the sugars that uh, you don't need, but loaded with just not just, you know, good flavor and taste uh, all covered in real chocolate, but uh, the protein uh, that you're looking for uh, as much as. 140 calories that's it for most of these bars even a couple of their most decadent flavors only go up to 160 170 calories it's exactly what you're looking for and oh they're easy on the tummy too that's not always easy to find when it comes to a protein supplement but you have that here with our friends over at built bar and if you want to go back or go for the first time go to built.com to get it from them directly at b-u-i-l-t uh, use the promo code DACE, D E A C E, to get 10% off your order when you do. At built.com, promo code DACE for the discount at built.com. You can't go wrong with any other flavors at built.com. All right, let's get to the conclusion now. So now we've gone through what is the meat and potatoes of this documentary, which is uh, Dinesh working alongside True the Vote to try to identify where did a lot of these ballots come from that we saw being dropped off in the middle of the night. Where did they originate? Uh, That they were harvested from nonprofits who then paid mules to then stuff drop boxes with them in these key counties, in these key states. All right. That's that's essentially the central claim of the film to explain what happened in 2020. So now Dinesh decides let's follow up and take some of these claims to people that should be really interested in the fact the election was stolen from them. Okay. They begin speaking to an official GOP Dropbox watcher who personally photographed several instances of what he thought was suspicious behavior, like dropping off backpacks full of ballots in these drop boxes. Backpacks full. That's what he said. He said he gave this because he's an official drop box watcher for the Republican Party. He gave these photos and shared his concerns with the NRSC. That's the National Republican Senate Campaign Committee. Okay, that, uh, they're charged with helping Republicans win the Senate. He never heard back. Nothing came of it. He said he gave them the photos. Never heard a word. Next, they speak to an identity-protected whistleblower in Arizona who testified that she was specifically instructed To drop off these ballots at a drop box that wasn't under surveillance or monitored, and that's how they manipulated Hispanics to take part in the scheme. The Democrats specifically manipulated Hispanics to get involved. Presuming, of course, they're Hispanic, so kind of um, racially or, or ethnically typecasting them. Hey, you guys are used to being mules. We'll turn you into voter mules too. Well, hey, I, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I might be a dreamer or I might be in the country illegal. I might be on a work permit that's expired, right? Don't worry. We'll send you to the ones that aren't monitored or surveilled to drop off all the ballots. I, I tried throughout most of this rundown to avoid editorializing. But after watching these two things, I finally couldn't resist. And I said at the time, there is no benign or innocent explanation for allowing third-party foundations to collect ballots, assuming they're even legit ballots, and then pay mules, which is another term for traffickers. That's what we're talking about, is vote trafficking, paying mules to drop them off. The best case scenario is that this is the stuff of, this is late Republic nonsense. This is banana Republic stuff. A joke, a parody. It's a Monty Python skit. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is, well, you know. In these final moments, a discussion is then had about who funded these nonprofits that collected the ballots. One specific example cited $470 million from Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife. $470 million. So here's my final verdict on this movie. It's a compelling watch that you should definitely see for yourself. I, I think Dinesh announced today he's lowered the price. I had no problem after watching it. I thought it was definitely worth 30 bucks, but it's been lowered now to 20. However, its central claim rises and falls on its depiction and claims of mule vote tra- the mule vote trafficking scheme. That's the, that's the whole gambit of this film. It rises and falls on the provability of that. If that is accurate, that is definitely illegal. So I have a, I've got an idea and I've, I'm always pretty consistent on this stuff. I'm like, Hey, let's listen to Christine Blasey Ford, right? Let's hear it out. Hey, let's see what Robert Mueller comes back with, right? Let's hear him. Every, let's hear everybody out. Cause I'm not afraid of the truth, man. I love the truth. Okay. So here's my bright idea. Why don't we get formal investigative entities with subpoena power like legislatures or Congresses, State Department of Justices, things of that nature, okay? Why don't we formally investigate these claims to find out for sure? That's what you came here for. That's what I got. my, My big idea here on May 17th is we should investigate the incredible claims in Dinesh D'Souza's movie to find out if they're true. And if they are, prison. And if they're not, D'Souza's been discredited and don't ever believe anything he puts out there ever again. All the reasons we would not do this are bad. There are no good reasons. There are no good reasons why we would not formally investigate the claims of this film. All right, gentlemen, the floor is now yours. Reaction.
2: One, obviously... You know, the, the claim that he makes, the central claim that uh, vote trafficking, hiring mules to stuff ballot boxes is, is illegal across the country. As you said, that's either true or it's not. If it's true, then regardless of what I'm about to say, illegal activity was depicted in this movie. And it was not, in fact, the, the most secure election of our lives. Secondly, do you know off the top of your head... I always I always assumed that uh the votes don't have to be counted on election day. So what we're talking about ballot drop boxes is early voting. Do you know off the top of your head if they if they count the votes as they come in in most of these states?
1: So that I don't know the answer to. I think it probably varies state here? by I am you know for, so it's funny you should bring that up. I just got a text from my little birdie. In fact, I'll just read it to you. Okay? I just got a text from my little birdie on the ground in Pennsylvania right now. And this same little birdie was was sent by the Trump campaign to be on the ground to monitor the ongoing vote county in Philadelphia counting in Philadelphia County in 2020 and, and watch them throw him and the other members of his team out and board up the windows and not let him watch. OK, so he's got a little bit of history with the state quote. There are already 8,000 ballots in question in Lancaster Lancaster County that they are trying to refill out of, quote, uh, machine errors, unquote. All right? That's the GOP primary. He sent this to me about an hour and a half ago. He said there's already word that there's at least 8,000 ballots in question in Lancaster County they're trying to refill um, due to, quote, machine error, unquote. Now, how would they know that those ballots were improperly, were lost or anything else, right? Unless they mm-hmm. ha- were counting them in the interim for some, for, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that.
2: Because this was, this would be what, what that would tell us. If they were counting them as they were going, as they were coming in, that would mean that even with this activity, stopping the vote would seem to indicate that they still didn't
1: have the votes that they needed to. Right. So you just keep counting to you. So you just you, keep yeah, counting until you, need. you needed.
2: Yeah. Um, make of that what you will. Overall, though, I I just want to reiterate something. If you hear your legislator, if you hear your elected representatives say anything to the effect of, I don't know what you want us to do, it's time to move on, we can't relitigate the 2020 election, Uh, if they try to browbeat you like most of conservative media did in the runoff election in Georgia in early 2021, if they try to browbeat you over that, I want you to remember this, they work for you, not the other way around. If you have concerns about the security of this election, which are well-founded, but even if they're not, that's a them problem, not a you problem. That's their job to make sure because they are the ones in power to actually do something about it so um that 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 is the most frustrating I think part of this right now. There are way too many people who just want to move on, and those of us those of us who are concerned about it and have legit concerns, it becomes a little wearying because. Don't really know if don't really know if anybody's actually going to be held accountable. Hint, at least the way things are right now, they won't.
1: All right, Todd, before I get your reaction, let me make sure to remind everybody about Rough Greens, which is the supplement powder for your puppy because chances are whatever food you're buying from them at the store was stripped out of a lot of a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients your dog needs for the same reasons it was stripped out of your people food before it ever left the factory and got to the store as well. Mass distribution uh, in order to last longer uh, throughout the supply chain. That's why we buy so many supplements as humans these days, and that's why there is now one for your pet. You just mix it into the food your pet loves, and you put all that good stuff back in that that food probably is missing. But you might be skeptical. Hey, uh, does it work? Will my dog like it? That's why we're going to give you that first 14 day jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. When you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, R-U-F-F for Rough Greens, you'll pay for the shipping, but we give you the bag for free at roughgreens.com. Or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG, 833-R-U-F-F-D-O-G. All right, Todd.
0: Relitigating the last election is just a lazy argument, no matter who says it, because before this election, we have documented on tape uh testimony from people on the left and the right saying how dangerous the use of drop boxes was for election integrity what were the, was so far what you everything you said Steve is in a of vacuum and uh you could perceive this as if drop boxes are just part of every election and it's unique to this election because of trump and biden that's exactly the wrong way of look at mm-hmm. looking at it uh does it talk about the simple fact of the matter that this election was entirely unique in terms of the use of drop boxes at all
1: no it doesn't get into any of that okay it just gets into the use of these particular drop i think it assumes that the viewer understands that this was a unique circumstance that uh, that was done in all over the country because of COVID. i think it just assumes that
0: that's a dangerous assumption to make because nobody knows anything in this country and they're all drunk on political narrative this isn't fundamentally for us or about whether trump won it isn't. It's about every election that comes after that. Mm-hmm. It's whether we have, as you say, one man, one vote. Because here's the point about this. Why don't they, as I said, why don't they look into that? this? Of course, because they know what they would find. Everybody knows it. And here's the point beyond that. That's just how, it, it doesn't mean like they're trying to hide from something. They know that. They know that we know that. And they like the situation we're in right now. They know that we know that we've been disenfranchised and they like it that way and they're going to wink and nod at that the entire time everybody knows the grift right now. That's the one thing everybody knows people may not know how often Dropboxes were used in the past we should have told them that would help how unique this situation was. But it's not going to be unique. It's going to be every single election, regardless of the margin of cheating or not. They may not be able to pull it off, but they're going to continue to perfect their craft to such an extent that in very short time, forget just this coming election in 2022.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Game over, America, because
1: we don't have free and fair elections. Great points, both of you. And specifically to what you were saying, Todd it kind of provoked this thought in me that if Trump were to run and get reelected, I think it is possible you might actually get to the truth of some of this and here's why. We don't have a nation of laws and we never have. We are a nation of political will and we always will be, right? And so, if he wins again, then they can go back, clean this up, Hold some people accountable, but, but the cost of admitting this is a lot lower than it is right now. How? Because understand most of what the system admits to. And most of what it does is not on the base basis of a fixed standard, but on the basis of a political outcome. OK, so. Look at the vaccine mandate. Ruling from the Supreme Court earlier this year. The one on medical workers and military stayed. Yet the one on everybody else went away. Why? Because the economy was already beginning to tank. The idea of seeing millions of people vacate the workforce out of an unwillingness uh, to impose this, on top of maybe small and other businesses that refused to impose it as well. So we're gonna lock them up in all form in the regulatory hell and lawsuits. That just wasn't feasible. That's because if it was based on any legal precedent, they would have either upheld both of them or none of them. They split the baby because they did it based on politics, but we can keep it going with healthcare and military because we have a, there's a lot, that's a lot less people that we have direct under some form of direct control. And there's already a, a political assumption that it's okay to experiment on experiment on them by virtue of them joining those fields. That's why it was done. Similarly, addressing this right now, what are they going to go get the sergeant at arms and have tr- Biden removed and Trump? You see what I'm saying? Right. The cost of confronting this right now, too high. Even saw this with a Durham investigation. Now he's telling us all kinds of truth after the 2020 election when it's really irrelevant. We're learning all kinds of stuff about the coordinated Russian collusion plot of and, and fake narrative after the election when it can't change or help us at all. Along those lines... I could I could see a couple of people going to prison for this in like in Arizona or Pennsylvania, like in 2025 or 2026. When it doesn't require a lot of heavy lifting, we don't have to actually admit there's somebody in the White House right now on fraudulent grounds that are provable in real time. You see where I'm going? Of course, the political cost of, of admitting that is too high. So we'll wait and we'll admit it at a time where the cost isn't really as high and we're willing to pay it. Have we not seen that sort of agenda play itself out on COVID? How many times the truth comes out when it is convenient for us to tell it to you and not a minute sooner, or when the inconvenience of telling it to you is not as inconvenient as it would have been at the time that you actually needed to know it wasn't true. That'll do it for today's program. We're back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern right after Glenn Beck here on blaze TV until then, John three seventeen.